You're listening to the Pops on Hops podcast, where we listen to some pops, drink a little hops, and I get to hang out with my pop. I'm Abigail Hummel. And I'm Barry Hummel, and we want to welcome you to episode 64, in which Abigail used her randomly selected phone-a-friend option. So I have nothing to do today but enjoy myself. Abigail, I'm (laughs) going to turn it over to you to explain exactly what's going on. So we are joined today by a dear friend of mine, Dr. Lori Willard, comma, PhD, who chose both the album and the beer for today's episode. So Lori is from North Carolina. And after our episode with France Pants, where we reviewed Mute Math and Ginger's Revenge. I was so obsessed with Ginger's Revenge and I knew Lori was making a trip home. And so I said, Lori, if you see Ginger's Revenge, everywhere you see Ginger's Revenge, buy it, bring it home to me. I will reimburse you. There may even be a finder's fee involved. <laughs> like, I just want Ginger's Revenge straight from the source. And Lori took the assignment and ran with it. And <laughs> Ended up at a bottle shop where the man running the bottle shop basically gave her a tour of the entire Appalachian region in beer. So she brought back maybe 15 different types of beer for us to sample, which was above and beyond (laughs) what we expected. So as a thank you, we are having her on today to sample some of the beer she brought home from North Carolina and an album of her choosing, which is RKS by Rainbow Kitten Surprise, which is their second studio album from 2015. So Lori, welcome to the pod. Do you want to start by telling us a little bit about the bottle shop, how you picked the beers you did, and then a little bit about your history with this band and with this album in particular? So I was at a great friend's wedding in High Springs, North Carolina, and we went to the Tobacco Road bottle shop. And I said, my friends do a podcast where they, you know, review albums and review beers. And he said, okay, great. I'll get you a sampler from the entire Appalachian region. (laughs) So. I walked out of there with these 12 beers and my friends, Kate and Cam, who were driving me to and from the wedding, graciously moved everything around in the back of their car, packed the cooler with the Ginger's Revenge, which I was warned would explode if left at room temperature too long. Oh, boy. And. (laughs) then I even after I got back home I was in Lowe's Foods which is our like local North Carolina grocery store they had even more beers that I was like these sound great so I just kept running with the assignment as Abigail said well I'm a little bummed because I have all these beers here and we only are going to use up four and I have an entire half of a shelf of my fridge dedicated to the North Carolina beers just drink them Well, I will after I couldn't before this because I didn't know what we were selecting. I know we didn't know what we were going to do. Yeah. But now I know. So they're fair game. I felt a little guilty unloading them into Abigail's fridge. (laughs) It It required me to move a lot of things around in my fridge as well. Yeah. So one of my favorite bands immediately came to mind with having beers connected to the Appalachian region, and that was Rainbow Kitten Surprise. And this album, well, this band, first of all, I told Abby this story a little bit when we were talking about the band. I moved back to North Carolina when I was 24. And I think, you know, maybe six months into living there, I was driving home from work, listening to the NC State College radio. A lot of my friends had worked at that radio station. So I was just like, oh, listen to something different than Top 40 radio today. And I heard this song that I was like, man, 
I have not heard music that made me feel like I'm listening to something new in a while. Like I had had Spotify for years. The algorithm had figured me out. It was just feeding me indie pop that sounded like things I'd heard. And it was just such a good song. And I was like, this is great. I've got to figure out who this is. So I looked up the band as soon as I got home, was so happy to find out that their entire album was great, which was RKS. And then I listened to their first album. At that point, their third album wasn't out. And I was like, I've just got to figure out a way to see them in concert. So (laughs) then it took me years to see them in concert after many failed attempts. They played at Hopscotch Music Festival, which is Raleigh's music festival, which is actually happening this weekend. And I told all my friends like, hey, we need to go to the venue and line up because I'm pretty sure like Hopscotch is a music festival where bands play at different bars. And once the venue fills up, they cut off entrance. So if there's a band you really want to see, you should go like the band before, make sure you're there for when they start. And all of my friends were like, no, 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 we don't care. Like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And so like 15 minutes before they're supposed to start, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go try to get in. And the line was around the block. And I was like, dang it, I am not going to make it. (laughs) And then I think two years after that, I bought tickets to a show. And either a friend had a birthday party or something happened where I I was like, I just can't make this show anymore. So I gave those tickets to one of my friends. And then finally, when I got to Florida, I don't know how I found out one of my friends also loved Rainbow Kitten Surprise. And he's like, they're coming to Jacksonville in like a year. And this was during COVID. So it was like we were just getting out of like serious COVID mode. And I was like, I'll just do the same thing I've always done, which is buy a ticket and hope it works out. And it did work out finally. So I got to see them in Jacksonville last April. That's where I got COVID for the first time. Oh, my gosh. I also got COVID for the first time at a concert in Jacksonville. So that's fun. Wow. (laughs) But yeah, once we had the Appalachian beers, my first thoughts were like, I'd love to do there. There are a lot of great bands out of North Carolina. Sylvan Esso and the Avet Brothers were my other two thoughts. But since Rainbow Kitten Surprise is from Appalachian State, I think most of the members went to school there. And they're my favorite of the three. That seemed like a good choice. They're from Boone, Dad. Yes. And uh, I saw that and I was very excited because you thought we were going to be drinking Boonshine. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't think we'd redo Boonshine. We have reviewed Boonshine on the podcast before, which is your favorite brewery in North Carolina. Currently, there's a lot of good ones. I, you know, there's the Asheville circuit, there's a lot of good ones. But of Boonshine, course. it was a brew pub style where the food and the beer were excellent. Oh, wow. And we stayed right in downtown Boone. So one day we left for breakfast and, and we're going to a bakery across the way and we had to walk through the Appalachian State campus, which I didn't even know was there. You know, that Boone is a very cool town. Very cool. I, I really enjoyed my time there. So I personally was very glad that Lori chose RKS because I love this album and Lori knew that. And I think the story behind this, Lori, you can correct me if I'm misremembering this, but I think we were somewhere and I like looked down at your phone and Spotify was up and RKS was playing. And I was like, oh my God, is that RKS? (laughs) You were like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I love that album. I have known this album since 2019, probably. And a dude I was seeing at the time 
introduced it to me. And even before we started this podcast, I was doing this thing where I would do like music, little music reviews on albums. If someone suggested me an album, I would like write up a little review for it as like a thank you for suggesting me this album. So I couldn't find it because the text thread has since been deleted. But I wrote like a detailed (laughs) review of this album in 2019 um, when I was first introduced to it. But I don't know. I didn't want to assign you an album that a man (laughs) assigned to me. Yeah, that feels a little weird because we're not in contact anymore. So I was thrilled that Lori picked RKS because I'm happy that it's going to be in the Pops on Hops canon because I love this album. So we can get more into that. But first, I think we should pour our first beer. Yeah, what am I digging into my cooler? Where am I going first? So we're going to do the Ginger's Revenge Lime Agave first. So going back to the Mute Math album with Francis, she said that her favorite was the Lime Agave and she wanted to send us that one, but for some reason couldn't. So we are cashing in on a residual suggestion from Francis and we're doing Ginger's Revenge Lime Agave. And by the way, I'm opening, I couldn't find my Pops and Hops bottle opener. So I'm using my new Belgium bottle opener that I got in Asheville when I was there. Oh, that's a fun bottle opener. And I will be drinking my beer today in my Wicked Weed glassware, also from Asheville. Oh, look at you. You're so on theme. great. Now tell us about your shirt. What's up with your shirt? Well, it's Grateful Dad. (laughs) And uh, it's one of the few rainbow shirts I own. And, you know, it is an audio medium. So all of these props make no sense to anybody (laughs) but me. That's okay. Do you want to read the description on Untapped? I've got it here, and uh, there's not much to say. Let's see if there's something on the side of the bottle. It's described as bright, citrus, and sweet. It's agave balanced with ginger heat. And as I recall from the last time we did this, there are playlists for each of the characters. Let me go to that website real quick and see if I can pull some other notes up. Yeah, you got to read about lime agave. Lime agave. And as I recall, oh yeah, I forgot. So when we did this episode with France Pants, there was a story about the characters of each of these things are in a band and they each have a playlist. And so there is a lime agave playlist that we should share in the show notes. And it says about this character, lime agave thinks in chords and feels and beats. She breathes melodies and dreams of rhythm and blues. Her day job is promoting artists. Her night job is being one. Her free time is spent immersed in her record collection, absorbed in music history, or bathing in the balm of new sounds. That her lyrics strum your heartstrings is inevitable. That her voice enchants you, a matter of fact. If you end up spellbound by her cool self-possession, don't fret. We're all a little obsessed with this siren of soul. Wow, she sounds a lot like the lead singer of Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Cheers. Cheers. Said there was a little heat in this one, potentially, so. It smells very gingery. (laughs) Lori is a listener, but has not heard very many episodes. But I know what the anosmia is. It means you can't smell things. Is that what it is? That's correct. (laughs) You can't smell things. We talk about it almost every episode. Well, smell is a very important component of tasting. I'm doing fine. Thank you. This is delicious. It is delicious. It's very, very good. It's got a little, I don't know if it's all the ginger or if there's a little, oh yeah, habanero peppers listed as one of the ingredients. Well, their original ginger beer has a little habanero in it. Okay. 
And I'm pretty sure that each of their flavors just uses the base ginger beer and then they add other flavors to it. So it makes sense that it has a little heat to it. I don't really get the heat. I get a lot of ginger. Oh, I I feel like I get the heat. I think the longer it sits there, it's kind of a slow burn, but it's not super hot. It's delicious. The night that we got to High Springs for this wedding. So we had the rehearsal dinner and then we went to like the only bar in town to like meet up with the friends that were not part of the wedding party. Party, and they had Ginger's Revenge on tap and I screamed. I was like, it's already here because Abigail had hyped me up so much for it. And it was like they knew. And I just like everybody ordered it because they were like, that sounds amazing. And I was like, I've heard it's amazing. And it, we were not disappointed. Which one was it? It was just the original. So the original I got on tap. And then at the bottle shop, they had the original lavender hibiscus and lime agave. I still think about that ginger beer. <laughs> wow. And dad, I know you have some leftover and we need to make a... We were going to make Moscow mules with all these. A Moscow mule. Yeah, for sure. That's why I was surprised that you suggested that we drink this one in the wild like this without making the Moscow mules that we promised everybody. Well, we have three others. I mean, I have an extra bottle of the lavender hibiscus as well. So I'll be back from North Carolina in October. <laughs> oh, no. Where is High Springs? Like what part of the state, Laurie? High Springs is like literally 10 minutes from the Tennessee border, maybe. It is way, way far west in the mountains. Yeah. Okay. I'd never even heard of it before this wedding, um, but it was very, very cute. It's on the Appalachian Trail, so you've got a lot of through hikers that are like stopping there for food. Oh, wow. It's about 30 minutes west of Asheville, probably. It is definitely a small town. It's so small, it doesn't come up on Google Maps. That can't that be That is right. wild. Oh, Hot Springs. I'm sorry. Hot Springs. Oh, Hot Springs North came Carolina. up. Yeah, I got hot. Uh, hot my bad. Go high Springs the... is in high Florida. Is... <laughs> well, now I understand why I couldn't find High Springs, North Carolina on the map. Dad, why don't you give us like your general impressions of the album? So, I think from the first guitar lick, I love this album. How could you not? That first guitar lick is so good. The um, cover and the name of the band, I had no idea whatsoever what I was going to get, right? So I put it in and it's nothing like I expected it to be. I find a little bit of the Rock and Tours in there, although it's a little swampier than the Rock and Tours. It's, it reminds me of that a lot. The singer's interesting. There's a little bit of both in the vocal performance and in the instrumentation of Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. He re recorded his first album at Stax Records, for example. So it's got this really old school kind of sound to it. And there's some of the elements of that in here, too. Much like when we talked about Crash Kings, there's a lot of twists and turns within the songs and changes within a song. I enjoyed the first half of the album more than the second half. Me too. It's not fatigue because I enjoy the whole album. But I think, especially the first few times I played it, not knowing what to expect, it's a very surprising sound. And then there's kind of a slow song about halfway through there. It's sort of like a break in the action. And sort of after that, the songs still have a lot of tempo and momentum. I'm not saying that that song messes with the structure of the album. It's a great place to stick a slow song. But the songs after that have maybe a touch less energy or touch less kind of change than the first half of the album. But I like every song on here. I mean, picking a least favorite was very hard and Captain Esoteric did it for the most esoteric of reasons. <laughs> And favorites, I had a hard time narrowing it down. I mean, I had about five to choose from. And so I pretty much have a top five, really. Yeah. And all for different reasons. Yeah. What's interesting is it plays as a concise package, 
where everything sounds like it's from the same cinematic universe, to quote Abigail. It's got the same kind of sound, but the songs are unique and different. But as a package, they work really well together from start to finish. Yeah. And because of the changes within the songs, I think that's partly why it's hard to pick and choose favorites because they shift a little bit. And so, you know, every song's got maybe two or three kind of sounds to it. And so like that Crash Kings album, when you're done, it's more of a package, but the songs are individual. I'm not saying they're not individual, but because of the shifts, it all runs like one giant package very nicely. So yeah, and, and I'm not going to make one comment about sequencing on this. I don't think that's relevant here. Although I, I think the penultimate song and the final song, they would both work as the final song and the title of the penultimate song is a better title for the last song on the album. Could you switch those two? Maybe, but that's, you know, neither here nor there. It doesn't matter. So great pick, great album. And this is one, I, you know, like I said something about the, the uh, soundtrack to the Spirit film. And I said, I don't see a situation where I'll be playing Spirit from start to finish ever again. <laughs> no use case. <laughs> I had no use case for Spirit, but that's not the case here. Several songs go on a running playlist, no doubt. But this is one that I will come back to in the future. I really, uh, really enjoyed this album. Yeah, I agree with everything you have said. Every song has, like you said, kind of multiple movements throughout it. There's something I love about every song. And so, yeah, choosing favorites and choosing a least favorite were both extremely difficult. So the band is made up of a lead singer who, in my understanding, is the primary lyricist or one of two primary lyricists. And then a lead guitar, a rhythm guitar, a bass and drums. So there's a lot of rhythm. <laughs> And you can tell, I mean, the songs are very rhythmic, very driving. And the lead singer, Ella Mello, uses her voice as rhythm as well in a lot of these songs, which is something I love. I find it really interesting that there is not a lot of distinction in these songs between verse, bridge, chorus. It all blends together. And in some songs, Ella is like singing for the entire song. Like she'll maybe take one break or two breaks where her voice isn't actively going, but the entire rest of the song is filled with her voice. And I just think that is really cool, really fascinating. And it allows them to fit so many words, so many lyrics into these songs. There are so many lyrics in these songs. I had never read the lyrics before we decided to do this album on the podcast. And a lot of my singing of this song was just like syllables and sounds. Like I wasn't singing words. I was just kind of singing sounds because I couldn't parse the words. She has a very interesting, you you sometimes call it phrasing, but it's more of a unique way of pronouncing certain words or the emphasis she puts on words is really unique. Weirdly enough, I think she almost sounds British. So some British artists, they don't sound British when they sing, but some, they really sound British when they sing. And some of the ways she pronounces words just sound really British to me, especially in Run. And it's just something I noticed and something I picked up on. You know, she's got just a really interesting interesting way of vocalizing and I'm fascinated by it. It really hooks my attention. Well, the amount of lyrics, it seems to come from some hip hop, maybe some hip hop influence, the amount of words and syllables. She does repeat a lot of the syllables over and over and over again. Yep. And it's interesting because when we did the hip hop album, I laughed about how many pages of lyrics I had to print, but they did an interesting thing on when I went to print the lyrics for this, they extended the lines yeah, on Spotify too. Yeah, they, they fit on one page because they didn't break up like a poem. Yeah. They just 
put the whole thing on there for you. That is so funny. Yes. I noticed that on Spotify too, because they have, you know, the rolling lyrics and it's wider on the screen. Yes. They must've submitted it that way. And so it was very efficient use of paper this week. Thank you for that. <laughs> that makes me want to even reread the lyrics because I read them on like a, you know, Google, whatever. I just found the first one on Google and the way they were split up didn't make any sense with <laughs> song (laughs) so now i want to read them through spotify or something to see if i get like a different because honestly i had no viable interpretation for many of these but i wonder if it's how i was reading them too i also did not have a viable interpretation and i was reading them like how it is on spotify it's like sentence structure it's not the lines of the song so a sentence could be three lines of the song based on the rhythm and how long the sentence is and so it does make it very difficult to learn how to sing these songs i've written down an example of lyric that i misheard and missung the entire time i have listened to this album it's just hard to tell what they're singing but I don't mind that. And the themes are kind of abstract, Abigail. You know, it's hard to know know, what is it they're really singing about. There's some undercurrents of themes that keep popping up. There's a lot of religious iconography in here. Almost every song has got some reference to alcohol. I feel like there's a lot of self-medicating that might be going on in a lot of these songs and a lot of unhealthy relationships. They're like the, the big themes, but you can't look at a song and really go, what's going on in this relationship? Some of them you can tell, but most of them are just some horrific relationship and there's booze involved. Trauma. Emotional trauma, whatever, mental health, whatever's going on. Struggling to survive in this capitalist health. Yeah, just struggling to survive and drinking your way through that in this particular album because there's a bunch of booze references in here as we enjoy our Ginger's Revenge. Yes. Well, so they have quite an interesting history. So their last album was released in 2018 and they've had a handful of singles since then. But I think primarily since their last album, their main mode of interacting with the public has been via touring. And they had a tour plan for 2023 that they canceled due to some health issue with someone in the band. They didn't really release any details on that. But in 2022, the lead singer, Ella Mello, came out as transgender. So she's a trans woman. So when this album was recorded in 2015, she was presenting as a man. She was perceived by the audience of the band as a man. So as they've aged, I think they've gotten more interesting, not less. (laughs) Because they've just had a lot of personal things to deal with during that entire period that they have. I mean, presumably they've been making new music, but it's only been a few singles that have been released to the public. So, yeah, I hope they release another album soon. I think they probably have a lot to draw on to write music at this point. And I would love to hear Ella's voice as it is now. You know, it's interesting. In this case, I was trying to find some stuff out about the band. Not a lot of information, not even on their website. And so I was trying to piece together the story through some interviews, you know, like a CBS News interview that I thought was very good with the two main, well, I guess it was the bass player and the lead singer. And then some concert footage, and you can see the transition of the lead singer through all that. But it's interesting. I did that before I really read the lyrics. There's a couple songs on here that make me wonder if she was dealing with that even back then. One song in particular I found very, very interesting with regards to that. But I wouldn't have picked up on that if I didn't know the story. All right. Well, should we get into the track by track? I think we should. And we're going to start off with track one, which remember, this is I put this in, and this is the first thing I heard. So this is from the beginning of Run. 
is a pretty straightforward simple song about a guy being chased for his money i mean that's my whole interpretation of it so well done though very repetitive right so again going back to vocals is rhythm very syncopated drumming on this one which makes that whole pre-chorus and chorus so interesting and again this just exploded out of the speaker when i started playing it the first time i really like whoa this is because you know it's a rainbow cover and i don't know what's going on and then this comes out <laughs> like, wait a minute rainbow kitten surprise what are we dealing with um you know i was expecting like dance track i don't know what i was expecting i had no clue digital electronica something i don't know so i was amazed when this came out of the speaker the first time i played it really like this song this is my fourth favorite song on the album again i said i had about five that really stood out to me and i ended up ranking this one in the fourth slot so great song it's my first favorite oh. <laughs> wow and it has been since the first time I ever listened to this album. I'm just obsessed with this song. For me, the themes are more abstract, Dad, than you interpreted. I saw this more as like the rat race or fighting to survive under capitalism, which is something I read into a lot of music. I will grant you that. But I do think that the <laughs> that the evidence is there in this one. I know I have referenced on the podcast before my epic opening tracks playlist where I put all my favorite first tracks on albums and this is on that playlist. I wouldn't shock me. I think it's an amazing opening track. I don't think there's another song on this album that rocks quite as hard as this one. The way the guitar and drums come in at the same time and that intro is equally guitar and drums. It's just such a really powerful way to open an album and I love this song. So I have an interesting relationship with this song. I feel like Abigail talks often about hearing a song so much that you start to dislike it. And this song was definitely like slightly in the cultural zeitgeist for a time used as like, oh, here's a commercial about some show called Billions or some show about like guys in suits doing stuff. And they played this song. And for me, I was like, I love this band so much. And I hate that this song is being associated with executive oh. suite men. So... I definitely heard it too much, but re-listening to this album just from a lens of like thinking about the song, it's impossible not to enjoy listening to it once you're listening to it. So it is not in my top for that reason, though. I usually skip run if I'm listening to the album because wow. I've just heard it too much. But listening to it again, just like walking through Walmart, I would like find myself bobbing my head. But also to speak to Barry and not knowing what would come out of this album at all. I had an old co-worker when I lived in Maryland like we had the same taste in music so we had each other on Spotify where like you can see what songs people are listening to and he texted me one day and was like okay so I saw that 
you're listening to this band called Rainbow Kitten Surprise. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and he's like, they're amazing. And they became one of his favorite bands just from trusting my music taste. <laughs> love that. I love when you find a band for the most random reason and then it ends up being something you love. So a brief aside, I was in the car with my brother, Zach, recently, and he was playing music by an artist named Goose. And it was awesome. I loved the song that was on. And I was like, wow, I really like this song. And he goes, yeah, I found this band because we were at some lake house and there were like geese and we were trying to call them over to us. So I said, Alexa, play Goose Calls. And she started playing Goose on Spotify. That's funny. So that's how Zach discovered the band Goose. And now he listens to them regularly. I think he's going to see them in concert soon. Like he's all in on Goose. <laughs> and it was just a random bind. <laughs> that's great. So we have some real problems in this family. <laughs> Do you remember if this was the song you heard on the radio that like initially? No, I remember exactly the song I heard oh, on the radio. Okay. It was so not we'll, this one. We'll hear, oh, we'll hear about yes. it later. <laughs> yeah. All right. So track two is called counting cards picture me counting cards dear pick any kind you like picture them colored red dear black home back to life from the stars and eyes of just diamonds roll jokes we tell the left dear black home back to pain pain is in the mind dear stars are much the same gone in the time it takes the light to reach in time you'll find we're blind to the things we don't believe picture a side in vegas counting bills before the show spanning them from new orleans where we spent the week before and the stars and eyes of the lights from the flesh pictures of us in black deer I love that line you cut it off at. I love how she sounds when she says diamonds. Yeah, well, it's part of that interesting phrasing you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Emphasis on different syllables. Diamonds, diamonds. Yeah, she's got such an amazing voice. Again, trying to figure out what's actually going on in the songs is somewhat difficult, right? But I like the writing on this. So there's there's some themes in here that are fun. Songs called Counting Cards. And there's references to cards. There's also references to gambling like Vegas and New Orleans. You know, they reference red and black in there, diamonds and hearts. They even mentioned jokes for jokers. So they pull the card theme through that. But what's interesting to me was the counting card thing. It didn't seem like they were really like going to Vegas and counting cards. It seemed like they were using that as a metaphor for taking stock on your life. Because when you read through it, it seems like a self-assessment or a self-awareness kind of song. Again, about a relationship. And so we're using these kinds of references of the deck of cards and the gambling motif to kind of take stock on that relationship. So I thought that was very clever writing. Again, I had to really read the lyrics to follow some of that because of that phrasing. Right. So the vocal performance to me functions more like a musical instrument. 100%. More like a rhythm instrument than it does a story or a narrative kind of vocal performance. Mm -hmm. But that's fun and interesting. My interpretation of this song was the rock star lifestyle and the people who get left behind because of that. Because yes, 
the narrator and their partner are traveling to all these various places and they're having all these kind of like elevated rock star-esque experiences, right? But at the end of the day, the narrator can't stay with the person they love. And the heart of the song is about that. I love the line, I'm sorry is not enough. I'm sorry, I'm not enough to stay. I love the juxtaposition of it. It's basically the same words, but totally different meanings. The other thing I love is the drum circle kind of tribal sounding drums in the pre-chorus or chorus. Again, the lines are very blurry between the parts of these songs. But this is one where I completely misheard a lyric in the chorus. The line is that levy you break that levy you hold I thought that levy you for the longest time was I love you so I've been going around singing I love you those are not the words <laughs> <laughs> and it does completely change the meaning I mean it's a way more complex meaning that she's singing about than I love you so like, I'm really glad on this album that I sat down and read the lyrics because I really did get a lot out of them that I that it was just simply not possible for me to hear without sitting and reading them. Well, and some of that wordplay you're talking about, the line above that is that lever you take, that lever you hold, and then that's the levy line. And so because she sings in such a interesting phrasing, mm -hmm. it's hard to tell the difference between the word lever and levy. And that technique's used yeah. throughout this album, where there's one I've circled in a later song where it's almost like playing that, you know, that word game where you change one letter and make a new word, then change one letter and make a new word. Yeah. And you go from like dance to light or whatever. There's a, a section of one of the songs where the words just slightly change and roll around mm -hmm. and you get all this mileage out of that interesting progression of similar words. And and this is a little bit of that with Lever and Levy. It's not the best example on the record. And you're right. There seems to be a conflict over the late hours of the musician who's coming in late as part of the conflict in that relationship. I did have that written down and, and forgot to talk about that. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I definitely agree with Abigail's interpretation. I loved this song. I would say I have like a top six that I had to think really hard <laughs> to get it down to a top three and this is not in my top three but it's in the top six and it's just like whenever I hear the song I'm like I love the drum circle I react to that I love the line that you said I'm sorry is not enough I'm sorry not enough to stay those were some of the few words I could understand without reading the lyrics yes, that I would always sing out that's maybe part of why I love that line so much is that I actually could hear it understand it and reproduce it and you know that goes a long way <laughs> <laughs> it does yeah <laughs> yeah so I I just love this song just for the sound of it and yeah what you said yeah amazing drums on this one is probably the main instrumental feature that sticks out to me along with the vocals as rhythm that you brought up dad yeah and i buried the lead this is my third favorite song on the album wow yeah i like this one a lot if i had also ranked a top six yeah it'd be easy this would probably be in my top six but it's not in my top four which i actually ranked four so you gotta you gotta we can bring it in these amateurs abigail that can't seem to rank <laughs> things I, I got a big pile here every time i listen to it i'm like should this be in my top three it was really i agonized agonized yeah i know the feeling she agonized over it dad how could you make her do that i didn't invite her you did <laughs> and i've listened to this album since 2016 i've been with it almost its entire existence and i still cannot pick out a favorite and they all still like give like half of them still give me chills sometimes so it's really hard to rank my favorites on an album that i've lived with and loved for a long time if you 
you assign me an album and I have no sort of emotional ties to it, sometimes it's easier to rank the songs on those. Not that we can do this, but it'd be interesting to go back. If you pulled an album out now that we've done two years ago, would my top three be different now than they were in the moment when I did the album? Having spent more time with it. I'm certain they would. Connections you make or things that grow on you over time. I mean, two weeks is a lot of time to spend with one record. But in the same token. But it's also not, it's not. Yeah. It's it's a done in a blink and then. And on to the next one. On to the next one. Speaking of on to the next one. Should we go on to the next beer? I think. Well, yeah. Let's rate this one first, though. Come on now. Oh, yeah. Good point. Let's let Laurie go first. Let's briefly explain to Laurie how we do this. So we've had so many guests lately. I feel like we explain this every episode now. To people. I know. And I'm sure Laurie already knows. But we rate on a five point scale in quarter point increments. So the easiest way to start is to pick a baseline that represents your, I would drink this again. For me, that's 3.0. For dad, that's 3.5. And then you just go up from there. So based on that info, how would you rate Lime Agave from Ginger's Revenge? Well, I famously love Ginger and I love spicy things. And I would give this a 4.75 just because I, I don't want to say it's perfect, but I love it. Whoa! <laughs> I'm an in hot. Okay, now this is a trend we see with guests. Yes. They usually come in very hot with their first rating, and then by the end of the episode, they've tempered it down a little bit. But well, where do you go from there? We will honor that 4.75 rating for Lori. I also think, though, this is exactly my kind of drink, though, too. So I know it'll go down because also our last one's an IPA, and I know I'm not a huge fan of IPAs. I agree with you because this is extremely light and easy to drink. And the ginger in there is so powerful. I do get a little bit of that habanero now at, at the tail end. But it's sweet. It's spicy. It's incredibly flavorful. It's crisp. I love it. And I'm going to give it a 4.25. 4.25. I think this is very good. I don't think it's uh, crushable or sessionable because of the pepper. I'm going to go on record as saying. Weak. And so I'm going <laughs> to give it a 4.0. 4.0. High ratings. All right. So we are going to go back to the fridge to get our Cheerwine Ale, Dad. Cheerwine is next? Oh, boy. If you would like to read the untapped for that. <laughs> So this next one is called Cheerwine Ale. It's by No Dot Brewing. No Dot Brewing is in Charlotte, North Carolina. And the description of this is a uniquely Southern wheat ale crafted with the perfect touch of cherry, proudly presented by two family-owned companies in the Carolinas. I'm going to look at the can. It's 5.2% ABV. For those of you who don't know, Cheerwine is a product that's been available since 1917, described as uniquely Southern and undeniably delicious. It's the oldest continuing soft drink run by the same family. So it was created by L.D. Peeler in 1917 in Salisbury, North Carolina, and it's been in production ever since. And so this apparently is a collaboration with Noda Brewing. So I used to go to camp in North Carolina. And so I was familiar with Cheerwine from a relatively early age because every time we got off camp property, someone would track down Cheerwine and that's all we would drink. And it's delicious. And then when I was a freshman at UF, the dining hall had it in their soda machines. Dangerous. But when I was traveling to Hilton Head with my girlfriends who are from all over the country, not one of them had heard of Cheerwine. So it's still a pretty regional beverage, even though it is in Florida, it is not all over the country. So this is very special to me. <laughs> 
It smells like cheer wine. I could smell it from a foot away. I was like, this is amazing. I mean, it smells exactly like the soda. It's funny growing up in North Carolina because I don't remember the first time I had cheer wine. It's been part of my life for my entire life. And there's some great like North Carolina delicacies like cheer wine, Krispy Kreme and cookout. I would rank as like top three cookout and Krispy Kreme are from like my hometown. And they all will do like cookout has cheer wine floats. Krispy Kreme has done cheer wine donuts. It's just amazing. So my mom is a big cheer wine fan. So I just grew up having cheer wine around. And now that I know it's special to our area, if I like meet someone like I have had a lot of international friends at UF, I find ways to introduce them to cheer wine when I can. Well, every single person I've introduced it to has been like, oh, my God, this is the best soda I've ever had. So it's not just nostalgia and it's not just home town pride. I mean, it's a delicious soda. I will agree with the international students. They're not fans of the cheer wine. I mean, I think their sugar receptors are just calibrated differently from those of us in the United States, maybe. Honestly, that makes total sense and is sad, but makes total sense. Well, it may have smelled like cheer wine, but do you think it tastes like cheer wine? Oh, I haven't had a sip yet. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say it's not particularly sweet. So it's a kind of a golden to orange color, a little bit cloudy. It's not really sweet. No, not sweet. I would have expected to be a little bit sweeter. And you commented on the color. I said the same thing to Lori inside when we poured it. I was like, oh, I was kind of hoping that it would be bright red, but it's not. I get a strong hit of cherry when you first take a sip. But it dissipates pretty quickly, and it's it's just kind of beery after that. Yeah, it drinks very much just like a wheat beer. And um, I love cherry and beer. You know that. We've talked about it many, many times. So for me, it's a little sad that it's not a little more cherry forward. I'm going to continue to sip on my cheer wine here. I think it's time to go back to the music for a bit, don't you think? Yes. Agreed. All right. Moving on with the album. We're up to track number three. And uh, it's a lot like we're going to be after we open up that 12.5% IPA at the end. And that is Wasted. interesting song this is this is my second favorite song on the album good choice so i'm going you know four three two i wonder where this is going to land soon 
But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I'd be surprised if it was track four. I'm clearing my palate early today. To me, it's a relationship song, kind of a love triangle thing. It doesn't seem like a very healthy relationship. But again, the vocal performance is just dynamic. It's all over the place as a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. She sang a line in that that I just played where her voice goes so low, you don't even really know what she's saying. Mm -hmm. She runs the words together. And until I had the lyrics in front of me, I had no idea what she was saying there. But it just goes down and then it comes right back up. It's just a dynamic thing. So yeah, I really like this song a lot. Yeah, I I need to actually learn the words to these songs because I feel like her vocal range is pretty close to my vocal range. I feel like these songs are very perfect for me it's exactly the type of songs I love to sing. So I need to learn the words so that I can actually sing along. This is in my top five, probably. Guys, come on, make a commitment. I have made a commitment. You'll learn about my top three when I get to them. But this, I mean, this is up there. I think this song is beautiful. I think it's sexy. The line where she says, drink up your wasted on me. And then the music cuts out and then she repeats, drink up your wasted. And then the music just comes back in like, God, I love that part. It's so good. I love the notion of like, drink up your wasted on me, right? You're wasted on me. We've been together in a very intense or intimate way. And we've been spending a lot of time together. And yet I want you to have more. I want there to be more, which if someone were wasted on alcohol, you'd say, slow down, have water. But when it comes to the relationship between these two people, they both can't get enough. They're already wasted and they're continuing to drink up. And I think that is so sexy. So I love this song so much. But what makes it an unhealthy relationship is they're doing it with the boyfriend off on the side. You left an important part of that line on the table there, Abigail, which is, and your boyfriend stands to wait off for you. Drink up, you're wasted on me. (laughs) Drink up, you're wasted. Drink up, I'll wait. That's where the love triangle thing comes into play. And this is an example we were talking about before about the use of words drop off a word and the phrase changes, drop off another, you know what I mean? This is one of those examples where it was this sort of progression, like that word game I was talking about. Drink up, you're wasted on me. Drink up, you're wasted. Drink up, I'll wait. Mm -hmm. Great example of that. And that's how the song ends. That's the last thing that and then, the, and then the drumsticks just at the yeah. end, like, oh, my God. It's great such song. a good song. Yeah, great. That's song. why it's in my top three. Sorry, nobody else saw to put it in her top three. Lori hasn't shared her. That's true. I yet. forgot. I did cut her off. It's not in my top three. Okay. okay. Thanks <laughs> for confirming. <laughs> yeah. I don't have much to add that hasn't been said, but my favorite lines from this is the progression how can I care? How can I care for you? How can I bear to love you any less than you need? Oh, like for me, that's like ruminating. I'm thinking of this idea, at least to this other idea, at least to this other idea. And I don't know. I just love, I love the play with the words. You're so right. It's like a lyrical interpretation of overthinking, right? Yeah. She's saying the same thing, but slightly different over and over as her brain works it out. Like as she's processing these emotions in real time, like we hear the lyrics that represent that and yeah it's just so fascinating that's the coolest part of the writing on this album like you mentioned laurie like it's a it's this kind of simple progression of thought that shifts the needle a little bit but the end is way different than the beginning that's unique to this 
writing style. Yeah. And I mean, it, it really is. It's very stream of consciousness, right? Yes. She's literally processing her thoughts as she's singing. I, I mean, we'll talk about this in later songs, I guess. But I think that's why I love just all of their lyrics so much. I'm an overthinker. I tend to get stuck on people <laughs> for way too long. <laughs> So I think I wasted, Laurie. Yeah, see too much of myself in the lyrics. It's not that kind of podcast. We can't delve any deeper on that. I mean, this is just how I relate to the album. Right. We talk about (laughs) beer and music and nothing else, famously. Until we do. All right. With that in mind, how about we move on to track number four? Track number four is called Cold Love. Not the same way or differently, but consistent in our pain. Equal and equidistant in the way we laugh to let bear the weight of our cold love affair. Recalling the days where we were, we weren't, we were wrong for the papers, wrong for the dinner tables of the inner rings of the rich and famous. Anything's is gone, my bed is gone, my bed is wrong. We had and we had and we were then and let cold. Listen, you can only play so much. My heart hurts. That was the longest, uh, maybe not the longest, but I know it was. Yeah, I mean, I have three super long clips in a row because in order to get a lot of different elements in, like I cut in the middle of the song to try to, because this one goes all over the place. Yes. I noticed that this was the first clip where you started in the middle of the song. I was going to comment on it on the last song, but glad I didn't. (laughs) And I have a bunch where I've jumped in in the middle. This one I did because I thought that lyrical passage was also one of the more interesting. Mm -hmm. I think the story evolved from the first set of lyrics to this set of lyrics. And I like this set of lyrics better. This is probably my fifth. This is number five. This was the other one I put in what would be the top five songs. I like the structure of the song a lot. This is not a typical song for me to pick as a favorite. It's a little on the slower side, but there's so many intricate lyrics there. Such an interesting way to use your voice as a musical instrument. This is probably the strongest example of that. It's essentially a rhythm track, but a complex story. And I included the section that referenced the liquor again, because there seems to be that self-medicating, which is primarily told, I think, through alcohol use in a lot of the songs. I don't think there's any other drug references other than alcohol throughout the album. But yeah, I think this is a really strong song. I'm going to kick it to Lori next. Oh, okay. calling an audible. Mixing it up. <laughs> you threw her off her game. She wasn't ready. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm ready. Maybe because Abigail might have said exactly the same comments I had. I don't know. But um, this is my number two. So we're getting to the first of oh my, my real Oh my God, rankings. it's my number two. Yeah, this song, I mean, I think there's something here for me in that just most of the lyrics are legible is not the word but audible audible (laughs) audible i understand what they're saying while i'm singing so this one i think the story also in the song is really interesting and just you've got two people 
I interpret it as like they had a young love story and things didn't work out as they got older, as they changed or realized more about themselves. And once again, just the rumination of like what happened there. But man, it just this song feels so theatrical to me with all the changes. And when it gets to that part, I don't know if that's the time he cut off, but there's one one of the sections where it's like, what's harder, harder to say. And it just like everything turns off except for the vocals. That's one of the parts of this album that gives me chills when I hear it sometimes. I got chills just hearing you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I this song stops me in my tracks when it comes on the album. If I'm listening to it while I work or something, I get pulled out of whatever I'm doing and into the song often. Totally agree. So this is also my second favorite. And interestingly, it grew into that position. When I predicted what my favorites would be for this process, this song was not on there. And I think for most of the history of me listening to this album, it's just been kind of like a middle of the road song on the album. But as I listen to it more, and I think your point about all the lyrics are really audible here. This is one of the easiest songs for me to sing because the lyrics are so audible and because they have that beautiful acapella part at the end where they're just harmonizing the crap out of each other. (laughs) And it's just such a gorgeous song to sing. I think that might be what raised it up higher on my list. So I love that part at the end where they're harmonizing. And even when I listen to that song and the the same lyrics that they harmonize at the end, obviously appear earlier in the song, you, I think you started your clip just after that. I love those lyrics, but I'm always like, oh God, like I wish that was the acapella part. Because I just love that so much. It's gorgeous. And I love the sound of the guitar in this song. I don't know what effect or what they put on it, but it almost sounds like bubbles popping to me. Like it's just kind of like a... Yeah, it's a little more plinky. A rounder, bubblier sound to the guitar that I think is just gorgeous. So my interpretation of the lyrics was that these were two people who know their relationship is over but are sort of holding on to it even though it's dying and they there's probably some sort of codependency there that they're having a hard time separating so that was my interpretation of the lyrics but yeah I just I cannot get over how beautiful this song is especially that acapella part at the end with the heavy harmonies it's just stunning what's harder harder to fake that you want me to stay that you want me to stay the same You know, I didn't pull this as a an entry into the Abigail Humble School speaking smartly about music, but that acapella part reminded me of some of the acapella things on the uh, Graceland out by Paul Simon, where they the um, oh, and, and wow, an old pull. <laughs> and the and the thing about it is, it's because it has they have similar levels of echo, so they they read very similarly yeah. when you hear them. Homeless, 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 homeless
Oh, that makes me want to listen to Graceland again. Such a good album. It wasn't necessarily the tone or the pacing or anything like that. It was just that it had that kind of group in a room echo to it that I thought existed on this particular song and that sort of acapella close to Cold Love. I totally hear it, Dan. Okay. Does that count as a, do I get credit? Sure. Yeah. You can get a credit for that. Why not? I'm feeling generous. Well, how nice of you. (laughs) All right. Moving on to track number five. And that is called Lady Lie. Lying on my come up, we're hung up on these nights. You're hung over knees like you need it to relapse. Need this, need that, need it when you can't have. What you want to do about it? What you want to take back? You know, don't do me like that when you walk so bad, walk so So that was Lady Lie. I find this song interesting. It's probably the bottom third for me, maybe even the penultimate rating for me. I find it interesting. Parts of it didn't really work for me for some reason. I can't put my finger on it. I do like the writing on it a lot. The alcohol references are in here, but he does one of those, I don't know what we're calling them, those kind of step progressions of lyrics where he says, uh, you're bourbon in my eyes, a bird in my hands, a bird in my hands, bourbon to my head, a bird in my eyes, a flight risk flying, you know, those progressions that I find so interesting in this. So this one had several movements in it. There was just something about it that it kind of didn't gel completely for me. I don't know what it was. And again, I didn't dislike anything on here. But in the thing we do here where I have to pick something to to put toward the bottom, this one had to go to the bottom for me. So is this your actual bottom song? No, it is not. And by the way, the first time I listened to it, so what I do, Laurie, is I I give it a listen without knowing anything about it. And it takes some initial notes. Did I like it? Did I love it? Did I have no reaction? Or did I actually dislike it from the beginning? I didn't dislike anything when I played it the first time. And I only had two songs on here, my least favorite. And this one where I didn't put a star next to him the first time I went through it. And that held up. Because I never look at those notes again until the end. This is one that I distinctly remember standing out to me the first time I ever listened to the album in a good way. And I too can't put my finger on why. But I think of all the songs on this album, this is maybe the blurriest between verse, pre-chorus, chorus. She does not stop singing in this song. I mean, I think there are literally two or three breaks in her voice in this song. And it's so interesting to me because it's like an essay in song form, basically. She's just talking the whole time. I find this song very sexy as well. And this one gets stuck in my head probably more than any other song on the album. And I think it's just because of the rhythmicness of her voice. It's just very driving. It just goes and goes and goes. 
she does switch up the pace a little bit, but it's a very consistent, like you can just get this stuck in your head and sing it forever. <laughs> and that happens to me quite often. I would call this my on the cusp song. So number four. So this is the song I heard on the radio that oh. got me into the band. Yeah. And I still rank it number one. It's... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I thought it was going to be number one. <laughs> it was interesting to read the lyrics because some songs definitely moved up. Like I would say my two and three, similar to Abby, maybe would not have been my two and three before I read the lyrics. I even thought like, well, Lady Lock, lyrics aren't that deep. But just every time it comes on, just whatever it does to my brain with like the harmonies, the constant singing, the changing of keys. But I feel like when I sing it, I can make my voice go high. I fit in, make it go low because of the harmonies. It's just like fun to sing. And I just think it sounds amazing. Even listening to the album over and over mindlessly, I find myself singing this song and I still just love it. So because of my attachment to it being my introduction, this was the only song one of the only songs they didn't sing at the concert i went to and i was like they didn't sing lady live oh that's that's awful yeah that's really sad it's a bummer man when you go to a concert you want to hear a specific song and that's like one of the ones that doesn't make the (laughs) cut it really is a drag it is sad i had sort of cheating information that i predicted that this was going to be Lori's favorite song because when she like finally made the decision that this was going to be the album that we were going to do she was like I need Lady Lie (laughs) and I was like well I probably shouldn't know that (laughs) I tried my hardest to be like let me evaluate this from a different standpoint but it didn't work and I to me this band sounds very like Modest Mouse-esque in the shoutiness of some of their lyrics I love Modest Mouse so I think that when I heard the song on the radio, I already had a reference point for that kind of sound. But yeah, I think this sounds similar to some of my favorite Modest Mouse songs too, just in the lyrics or in the vocals. The shouting is where they harmonize in this song, which is yeah. really cool. Yeah. Like they harmonize their shouting, which is so interesting and unique. I think for me, you know, I didn't grow up listening to hip hop. So this vocal pattern is already something that is not a standard thing in most of the music I listen to. Mm. So I struggle with that sometimes. And I think maybe that's the reaction I had to it was maybe it was just a little too much for me. Uh, My note here literally is interesting song didn't work for me. (laughs) That's my note. I'm not offended. Yeah. No, I know you're not. I'm just saying that. You're like trying to justify yourself. (laughs) All the pieces didn't come together for me. And I got to put something at the bottom. Many of the songs on here have a a kind of a different structure than you would see in traditional rock songs. This one's probably a little more divergent than most. And so, yes, it leaps out and grabs you and says, hi, I'm different. But for me and the kind of music that I like, a little too different maybe for me to say, oh, this is in my top three. Yeah, I think this is a weaker lyrical song on the album. And it's interesting to me, Dad, that anytime that someone is singing quickly or they're using their voice as a rhythm section, that you compare it to hip hop. I sort of get where you're coming from, but this does not even read at all like hip hop to me. And I understand that you're just comparing elements of it, but this feels so completely different from hip hop to me. It feels more like mantra than hip hop. It really feels like they're meditating and saying these lyrics as a mantra. 
They spend like three to four measures singing the word me and they just like change. And it's it does have that like chanty sound while they're singing yes. it because of the way they're harmonizing. And that is like, I think for me, I I play saxophone and we usually have the counter melody. So I really like songs where I can hear things behind like the regular melody. Or in this case, it's like that harmony sound for so long just feels like I just love that sound. But it doesn't sound hip hoppy to me either. I mean, I didn't grow up listening to hip hop. I, I like really good hip hop, but like I won't ever choose to listen to it, I would say. It's just that rapid fire stuff. A lot of rhyming, using it as a rhythm. Nobody before, you know, 1985, did you hear a single on the radio that did any of that. That art form of singing that way evolved out of the hip-hop movement you may not consider this to be a hip-hop song but there's clearly an influence of that because that's a singing style that did not exist in recorded music prior to some of those early hip-hop bands that made it to mtv like a run dmc for example or a dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince who is referenced on this album weirdly enough exactly so i'm not saying this is a hip-hop song i'm just saying that that yeah no delivery of rapid fire vocals comes from that genre and so it's not something that I just gravitate towards. So that's sort of where I was coming from on that. So down to the bottom for me. And of course, Lori's right because it's her favorite. And I'll just, I'll take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, Abigail, we have six songs left. So I think we might have to switch beverages soon. So remember, we're all rating the Cheerwine Ale, which is a collaboration between the Cheerwine Soda Company in Salisbury, North Carolina, and Noda Brewing which is in Charlotte. It's a wheat ale made with natural and artificial cherry flavors. I'll go first. First of all, I'm not a big wheat beer guy and the cherry's pretty subtle. So I'm going to give this a 3.5. I would definitely drink it again, but I don't think there's anything too spectacular about it. I'm also going to give it a 3.5. I do like wheat beers, but I think my expectations were so high because of the cheer wine. And after that first initial sip, which had like a little burst of cherry, it just tastes like a wheat beer. And that's fine, but it's not what I was hoping for. It did smell a lot like cheer wine. And so I was really expecting it to also taste like cheer wine. You read the can had a natural and artificial cherry flavor. We talk a lot about the difference between natural and artificial fruit flavor in beer. And in this case, this is one of the rare instances where I think it is totally appropriate to use artificial cherry flavoring because that's what makes it taste like the soda cheer wine. I agree with that. I think it was totally appropriate for them to use artificial cherry flavoring. And in fact, I wish they had used more because I didn't get much. Yeah. So that's a 3.5 for me. Yeah. So this is not uncommon for me that I start drinking a beer and like it more as I drink it. I'd say most go that way. So I was pleasantly surprised that I felt like as I drank it, the cherry flavor accumulated on my tongue. So at least what was lacking in the first sip started to build a little bit. So that was good for me. But I agree, it could have used more cherry. First sip where it was just like a touch of cherry and then wheat beer. Um, I was a little disappointed, but I liked it over time. So I'm going to do a 3.75. So what do I have to grab next? It's a refrigerator run, right? Yes. Next, we're going to be drinking the Hazy IPA. The Hazy. I 
figured we needed to have a hazy in here for you, Dad. So you can thank me for that one. Thank you. So I have in front of me the Bojum Brewing Company Blue Ridge Haze, which is a New England style hazy IPA. Bojum Brewing's located in Waynesville, North Carolina. So the description on Untapped says, rolling in fresh, juicy, and tropical, this hazy IPA is packed with the finest blend of Eldorado, Equinox, Huel Melon, Mosaic, and Idaho 7 hops. Enter a cloud of pine and citrus and immerse yourself in flavors of mango, pineapple, strawberry, and papaya. So there's a lot going on with this beer. And I will say the man at Tobacco Road was like, got to put a boojum in there. So this... I don't know what that means. I don't know, but I want that on a hat for some reason. <laughs> Gotta put a boojum in there. I mean, because the brewery's boojum, right? Yeah. So he was like, this is a must have in an Appalachian tour of breweries. Well, thank God I picked it. You should have given me that information before I picked the beers. <laughs> we may have not included it. You know, there's five hops. Five in hops in here. I smell the hops. Lori smells the hops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cheers i like that a lot man first of all it's very mellow really smooth very smooth you go five hops in this and you're like where i know where are they well it's not not in a bad way not in a bad way way. no there's a flavor in there i can't put my finger on at the end you need a boojum in your what'd you say before (laughs) (laughs) gotta put a boojum in there gotta get a boojum that's the boojum and you know what i've always said that actually it's the flavor of boojum you've got to get a boojum and i like the can art on this by the way the can is beautiful i like that one i feel like as it warms up i will get more of the individual fruit flavors because i can't identify a single thing right now all i know is it's smooth and tasty and juicy it's very well balanced the hops are not at all overwhelming no not at all yeah and i'm i'm not a big ipa fan so the hazy ipa i was telling abby i learned what a hazy ipa meant by listening to this show <laughs> i didn't know that there could be a class of ipa someone tell untapped <laughs> we're educating the masses untapped why don't you sponsor us Yeah. Now you may continue your thought. Just that there could be a class of IPAs that I might like more. The thing I don't like, IPAs taste floral to me. So the hazy IPA with the juice to like temper the floralness is definitely a good thing. So I enjoy this. I haven't had an IPA in that long. So it'll be interesting to compare it to the next one too. All right. So while we enjoy this delicious hazy IPA from Bojum. Bojum. Boojum. Got to get a boojum in there. You got to get a boojum in there. While I'm getting my boojum in there, I'm going to move on to track six, American Shoes. You said I'll come back. I'll come back for you, my lord. Wait for me. You'll say you're the only. You've been the only one.
very upsetting moment. The clip was already a minute 20. I was ready for the but you'll have to refer people to the album for that. That's what we do here. I know. Again, another great song. Not in my top three. More references to alcohol and self-medicating with alcohol. Another complicated relationship, right? It seems like a couple that broke up and maybe the narrator's not ready to move on. There's a baby involved, but it's not the narrator's baby. But that story's clear in this one. You know, and some of the things, the, there's a little more abstractness to the lyrics. This one's it's kind of a straightforward story uh, among these songs. To your point, I cut it off when it goes to silence. You know, there's a big musical bridge that comes up that's great. And that's the structures of these songs, right? They change gears mid-song. And that's what makes them so interesting. So I like this one a lot. I was curious, Dad, did you buy a physical copy of this album? I bought this one digitally. Okay. So the reason why I asked was because the musical solo that you cut off right before, it sounds so much like there's keyboards in there, but there's not a keyboardist in the band. So I was curious to see if they had any information about if they use like a session keyboardist just for this song or whether they're creating that sound somehow with the combination of the guitars and drums. Because if so, that's such an interesting sonic feat that they accomplished there because it really does sound very keyboard-like, that solo. Yeah, and I went to Wikipedia to read some information on the band right and you go to the discography there's not an individual page for each disc so you can't get there and read the liner notes yeah and when you read the narration on there they kind of skip over this album in the, in the discussion it's so weird like they don't even mention this album it is very strange but historically as best i could tell they don't have a keyboardist live in the clips that i've seen I was looking for music videos for some of the songs to see if there was any sort of official music videos there or not. So I looked at some live clips and some interviews and I don't ever see a keyboardist in any of the things I watched. So I think they are creating that with the instrumentation that you described at the beginning, right? A guitar, a rhythm guitar, a drummer, a bass player, and a vocalist. It's so cool to me that they were able to do that because i mean it sounds like a keyboard is playing that solo but you know when you listen to u2 and you listen to some of the ways that the edge plays the guitar with that kind of plinky keyboardy sound and even on the joshua tree they never play with a keyboard and they recreate yeah. that kind of sound it's so it's doable with traditional instruments yeah, yeah. you don't have to have a keyboard to make that kind of sound you know they're a college band this was their first recording i doubt they're going to expand the band to have a it's not the rolling stones bringing extra people in because they can it's a college band i don't even think this was a big label release i i think it was their next album that finally was on electro records i think this was still on the local indie label in western north carolina right i think you're right they had an ep that they described as basically they sold in the dorm then they had a release of an album that was done by the indie label and then they released an album that was a combo of the EP and the indie album. And then they released this album. So that in the progression of things, this was the last one on the indie label. So I'm sure they didn't have a keyboard player. Well, this is my third favorite. After all that, you're going to you're gonna spring that on me? I don't even have my pen out. I can't write it down. Part of the reason it's my third favorite is because they do this cool sonic trick and make it sound like there's an instrument on it that isn't there. So I, you know, needed the information to confirm that before I could give that as a reason. Well, you realize um, in our presence, <laughs> we have somebody who watched them play live. Ah, oh, who can tell us 
whether they had a keyboard. Did they play American Shoes? They did play American Shoes. Do I remember enough to know if they had a keyboard? No, I was mesmerized by their lighting. Oh my god! (laughs) Oh, the lighting is what did it. The lighting was amazing. That is so funny. You mean we sent a correspondent to the concert? I can yeah, pull we up paid, the photos for I can, that and everything. Listen, Let me pull up the photos I have. Pops on Hop's budget. <laughs> we can't be shelling out cash for concerts. To a one-time guest. Although we, I least. guess we could have traded a concert ticket for the beer in this regard. For the beer. Yeah. yeah. The beer may have, have been, been more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should have seen that Venmo transfer, Dad. Oh, I'm glad you understand what it's like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Make it rain for Laurie. Look at this lighting. Wait, I can't see that. Put it to the camera. It is pretty cool. Is that a keyboard setup, you think, behind the lead singer? It does look like a keyboard. Uh-oh. Why are we doing this like we're independent investigators? Why don't we just try to find some notes? <laughs> There's no well, notes. That's what that, you, you can't. There's no information online. One of us would have found it. It's very hard. If you had the physical disc, that would be the answer. The other, I mean, the other one I was looking for was, is Ella the sole lyricist? or, or... No, some of the songs are credited to Ella and some are credited to multiple writers. Ah, okay. But Ella's always on there as a writer. I see. Oh, the reference to the baby, that whole section where the narrator is on the phone with their ex. There are so many good lyrics in there. I wrote down a few. I'm not hurt. I'm broken. But I called to say I'm fine. That is so on point. You want people to think you're doing okay, especially your ex, right? You want them to think that you're thriving. But here the narrator is saying it's beyond being hurt i'm actually totally broken but to you just so you know i'm doing great i just think that's a genius line yeah the follow-up line's good too right it says and i heard you had another love but i'd love you to think i don't mind that's the bookend of that line right it's a great line and then it follows up with the baby in your arms ain't mine but i may believe as though it was yeah I'm pretending that's my kid, which is not healthy in the slightest. And then the last line there is, I didn't mean to call this late, but I think I'm in love with the thought of us. And I just, that whole section I think is so genius. I love the writing on this song. I love the musical solo I think is so beautiful and major key and like happy and joyful sounding compared to the honestly really like pathetic desperate lyrics we've just heard right it's just such an interesting dichotomy there and i i'm fascinated by this song as i am all songs on this album but this one happens to be my third favorite this is also my third favorite oh my god so we match two and three telling you i'm on my way out this is when we can't be co-hosts though this is job security for you you guys are too simpatico you couldn't host together Uh, yes that no that's actually true that would be a problem (laughs) so i think the lyrics for this also pushed it over the edge to being three i think this song of all of them the singing with absolutely no breaths taken for like entire verses i feel like once you get to the second half of the song every single verse feels like I'm rushing to get this out. I'm not going to take a breath. It has this like frantic feel to it that I really like that goes along with the lyrics also. 
And dad, you said at the beginning, you think the front half is stronger than the back half. And for me, this is where the front half ends. I agree with you. We've heard my top three from here on out. It's not, it's, I don't dislike the second half of the album, but it does lose a little bit of momentum for me. Wow. Uh-oh. Lori's probably got several favorites. Oh, no, we've heard your top three, right? Yeah, you've heard my top three. Those three in the middle, that middle chunk is just my part of the album. I think the back half is weaker, but there's still three songs in there that were in my mix. I love these songs. I could listen to them. I hear something different every time I listen. So Yeah, I want to be clear. I don't dislike the back half of this album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just slows down. I think it slows down a little bit. And I think the next one's really radically different musically, which is why it starts to change, right? And that's track seven, Cocaine Jesus. Listen and it isn't when you're talking for your namesake. Jesus, Mary Magdalene, and you are, are you okay? Sitting by the well, Jill, you're falling down the hill, jacking everybody laugh. Don't you pray, don't you pray to a cocaine Jesus in a black four seat. I've got a man, don't need him, but you wait. Call me when you want, or just call me when you need it. If you only ever need it for the day. But for us fallen Catholics, this is a fun song, Cocaine Jesus. I was going to say, what a bold choice to title <laughs> a song, Cocaine Jesus. That is bravery. But I think the thing is, and this was the one that made me think about this dichotomy more than any other song on here, about the substance use versus religion. You know, there's a lot of religious terminology used in the songs. There's a lot of discussion of substance use, mostly alcohol in the songs. Cocaine Jesus puts those two things face to face right in the song title yeah i just remembered when you said i don't think there are any other substances referenced on yeah, this I album about that. Yeah, cocaine two jesus. songs before the song literally titled cocaine jesus yeah thanks for pointing that out yeah you're welcome just had to get that <laughs> you gotta get a little boojum in there maybe i had a little too much boojum you don't know <laughs> how do you know how do you know what's going on here in my little air-conditioned hovel how's the humidity there where you are Actually, we just got a nice breeze, and we think it was Cocaine Jesus sending it our way. <laughs> <laughs> to me, more than anything else, the, the highlight of this, I don't know the psychology of the writers, but that they're struggling with religious issues. They clearly have some substance issues, you know, so many references to alcohol use and how that's not healthy for the relationships that are being described in the songs. I like this cold start on this song, you know, the sort of acapella wind up for this i like that a lot i think this is a really well written song i love the line by the way god i wish that i was better than i am but no luck no love no gospel i could understand is such a great line i don't like the opening <laughs> no oh you got side eye from laurie and it's literally side eye the <laughs> yeah. way you guys are stationed over there <laughs> <laughs> I recognize how it is similar to, you know, other 
my second favorite song had the acapella with the harmonies and everything. But here it's very monotone. They're all singing kind of one note. And while they are harmonizing, there's not much range in the notes they're singing for that portion. And I don't like that. I mean, I think one of the strengths of this album is how melodious and beautiful the vocals and the harmonies are. And this just throws all that out the window with that monotone acapella part at the front. Hello, and welcome to church. Oh, well, is church monotone? Mm, Yeah. Well, white churches. <laughs> no, sure, no offense to the white church. I've never been to church. Well, you can so. thank me for that. That's that's yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You are very welcome. This is Pops on Hops, where, where no, no one, one is safe. safe. <laughs> I'd like to remind everybody you're listening to Pops on Hops, where we talk about beer and music and nothing else. <laughs> so yeah, I don't care for that opening part. I do like the rest of the song, but that opening and. Because of the fact that this is sort of the beginning of the end of the album for me, this didn't make my top six. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I have a lot to add. I love this song, as I could say for all of them. I love the opening (laughs) and skipping Abby side eye. And I don't have religious trauma because thankfully my parents also did not make me attend (laughs) 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 but i was reading these lyrics and trying to see like what i can get out of it and i mean yeah i think it's just a a relationship that was kind of based around substance abuse that they regret now but it's kind of just in the middle of the album for me it's fun to listen to i guess when i was thinking of this album i was like all these songs sound the same and i guess you touched on that at the beginning they're all in the same like cinematic universe and i think this is like the quintessential like base of the cinematic universe there's nothing super special in this song to me when i read these songs about the substance abuse versus the religion i always think that the narrator is dealing with substance abuse a lot of drinking in these bad relationships and looking for some better answer looking for a religious solution and not finding it Mm. is kind of the read i get on the whole album the religion that's in here is not to say I embrace religion and it's helpful. It's to look over there and go, yeah, not much there to help me. That's Yeah, that's a good read. So it's desperate people and self-medicating and all this stuff's going on and not finding that solace in religion. Hmm, Yeah. And so this song, Cocaine Jesus, is the median on that also because it's the one that brings those two things together, even in the title. Looking for that solace and not finding it's different than having had a bad experience as a kid. Right. Which is, of the three of us, I'm the only one with that problem here today. Okay. I'm running out of beer, so I got to play one more song so I can move. Because, I, you know, I'm working on a 12-ounce can here, which is unusual. Dad, we're sharing a 12-ounce can, so I don't But I'm an IPA drinker, and I'm moving. This is going to be a high rating. I'm moving through this bad boy. What was the line? Say it one more time. You got to get a boojum in there. The designated hashtag for this episode is hashtag you got to get a boojum in there. You got to get a boojum in there. All right, I'm going to move on now to track number eight. Track number eight is called Bare Bones. I got Jesus in my and the devil in the corner making rye whiskey and gin. Don't you say that I am. Should have seen him when he came in. The Yankees played today, they played, but in the eighth, the Sox, they clutched the game. At least the Mets are getting late. Oh, yeah. 
that's what they say. Bet y'all bell bones. Everybody everywhere is coming to your body. I heard this is the place to be, yeah? Not a lot that you can't get for free here. Well, the skies are veiled out. If your daydreams can give you clean, no, you never say what you need to make me believe. Hello, and welcome to my least favorite song on the album. Any surprises? Two, Dad, me three. Ooh, we hit the trifecta. It's such an outlier. It's so slow. It's just basically an acoustic song. I have a problem with these on lots of albums. There's no surprise here. So for this band, with all their strengths, and it's kind of traditional. There's not a lot of shifts. There's not a lot of the things that are fun on this album in this particular song. It's the same theme that we just talked about with the last song. I've got Jesus in my eye and the devil in the corner making rye whiskey and gin. So it's that religion versus substance abuse again, substance use again in the song. That's the only line I can make heads or tails out of. It's just a rambling song. It's very Tuesday in the morning. He's got the Yankees are winning and the Mets are getting laid and I don't know what's going on. I just, I'm lost on this one. So not a fan of this one. It's in the bottom. My least favorite. Yeah, I don't have much else to add. You, you nailed it with, they have so many strengths and this song has none of their strengths in it. It's literally just a voice and an acoustic guitar. And my favorite thing about this album is the sonic landscape they're able to create with all these instruments. And this just doesn't have any of that. So it's my least favorite. Yeah, it feels like, it makes them feel like they're a band from Boone that they could roll up to like a folk festival in North Carolina and pull this out if they needed to as something that's like a little bit more on genre for that. But I generally don't like ballads anyway. And yeah, I just didn't. It, the lyrics to me, it seems to be something about somebody cheating by, you know, oh, this girl came into town. She cheated on her boyfriend at home or something, maybe. But it's not very cohesive. Yeah, I think it's something about do they reference college girls or local girls or something? I think it's what about out of town girls. Out of town girls, yes. There's some sort of like tourist local dynamic happening there. But that's about as much as I got as well. And it's bare bones, both lyrically and musically. Like the title's apt. That is true. It fits the mold of what they're trying to accomplish here. But I never really got into this one at all. But it did allow me to finish this delicious IPA that I'm going Ah, yeah. I'm going to rate. I need to steal a sip of Abigail's because I don't. Oh, remember. she drank too fast. Well, look, here's the evidence that we're actually in the same room. There you room. go. I think that means she's going to rate it high if she drained it that fast. No, no correlation for how quickly I drink something and what it tastes like. <laughs> He's just a fast drinker. Oh, I didn't. Well, I just wanted to think critically about the warming up. Well, do you want to go first since you had the most recent sip? Sure. I feel like it lost flavor with the warm up for me. So I think I might have liked it better. I mean, I don't dislike it, but it just tastes like an IPA to me. So I'd give it a three because I'd drink it again. So yeah. three is your baseline? I think three is my baseline. Yeah. And unfortunately, I just don't have a great baseline for IPAs to rank this anywhere because I typically stay away from them. I think as hazy IPAs go, like this is a good one. I mean, it's very well balanced. The hoppiness is not overwhelming. The juiciness is there. I think the problem is that I can't identify any type of fruit. I mean, I'm just getting sort of like a generic fruitiness 
peach is fine, but you said they listed like five or something fruits on there. And maybe it seems like they were just trying to cover their bases. Like, oh, you might taste any one of these fruits, but like they didn't make any effort to actually flavor it like any of those fruits because I am not getting any particular fruit at all, which is fine because it is a well-balanced and and tasty beer. It's very smooth and easy to drink. I just wish it had more of an identifiable fruit flavor in there. So anyway, I'm going to give it a 3.5. So they list four fruits. I think I can taste some fruits. List the fruits. Mango, pineapple, strawberry, and papaya. I get mango. I don't like papaya. And I'm wondering, there's like a flavor in there that is not pleasing to me, but I don't know if that's really papaya. It's like a woodsy flavor somewhere at the end for me. I don't know if anyone else gets that though. I still taste melon and that's not one of the things listed. I taste melon and pineapple are the two things. And the pineapple got stronger as it warmed up, but that's, they're not intense flavors. I'm going to give this a high rating because it is well balanced. It is very tropical. The hops aren't overwhelming. Very easy beer for a drink, and I'm going to give it a 4.0. Okay, hang on a second. On the Boojum website. Oh, she's going straight to the source. By the way, you you got to get a little Boojum in there. <laughs> on the Boojum website, it says enter a cloud of pine and citrus, not pineapple, but pine specifically. Oh, no, no, that's that's correct. But then keep reading. And immerse yourself in flavors of mango, pineapple, strawberry, and papaya. But the fact that they hint at the pine, that doesn't mean that this woodsy... No, that's a good read, Lori, because a lot of hops can taste quite piney or resinous is the other word that we use. And I think you're going to have an example of that maybe in the next beer because the can says heavy resin on it. So I think you might get a little pine in the next one if that's what you're looking for. All right. It's not necessary. By the way, all these fruit flavors that you're seeing on this can, there's no fruit juice added to this one. This is all based on the hops that they used. Feels a little more magical to be like, this was just made with hops. Yeah. Like I'm probably used to drinking beers flavored with something, not just hops. So, I mean, all that considered, it tastes pretty good to me. Yeah. And the fact that they made this mix of hops to get particular flavors that they wanted and, you know, they used five hops and they got what they wanted. It is kind of like alchemy a little bit, isn't it? So having drank that beer, do we all agree that you had to put a boojum in there? Oh, God, you got to get a get in there. <laughs> okay. You got to get I'm glad it. to hear that. But I will tell you that the next one, Burial Beer's Dream Huntress. Laurie probably didn't know this when she went shopping, but Burial is one of my all-time favorite breweries. I think Abigail mentioned that. Oh. We, and we have recorded at Burial, so this is kind of a leftover. We recorded our episode on the Rock Hunters at Burial. But Burial. the man at Tobacco Road was also like, you gotta get a Burial, get a burial. He didn't say it the same way with Boojum. <laughs> it was like, well, here's Burial, and I knew that Burial was one of your favorites, and he said, you can either get something that's like stock or special release. And I said, get a special release, since I assumed this would be your only chance to drink this particular one. Well, let's get to the fridge and pour it. Should I pour that in my glass while they're running to the fridge? It is a uh, golden color, quite hazy. About two and a half fingers of Dave's Alatoris fingers of foam on that. So on the side of the can, it says, perhaps a moment of restoration waits for the one who stays outside the boundaries of shadows. An easier path alongside your soul's intrepid battle with doom. A step inside the house of heavy resin. 
triple dry hopped with our finest crops of Galaxy and Matuka hops, finished with Strata Cryo. Oh. So triple dry hopped. Heavy resin. Well, it's on the can. Expecting heavy resin. On the can, they say that multiple times. Look at that. Well, I'm shocked to say that first sip I had was surprisingly easy to get down. It's delicious. What are you talking about? It's smooth. It's quite smooth. For all the hops in there and the triple dry hopped and the heavy resin. It's a little more full than last beer. Similar flavor. It's very floral. Yes, it's floral, but I like it more than I expected. I think because of the, I guess, I don't know if I'm using the full and juicy words enough, but it has the mouthfeel of orange juice. What? Hold on now. I will decide as the arbiter of all <laughs> things mouthfeel whether you can use that term. So say it again and I will let you know. He's going to give you a ruling. It has the mouthfeel of orange juice. If it's pulp free. <laughs> Absolutely. If okay. it's pulp free, yes. As the arbiter of all things mouthfeel, <laughs> I will allow that description. If it pleases the court, if it pleases the arbiter. I got to get a hammer, not a hammer. You do, you need a gavel. Need a gavel. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Your arbiter says. And might I just add, not only does it have the mouthfeel of orange juice, I think it tastes like if orange juice were just slightly bitter and had all the sugar removed. Yeah, we call that grapefruit juice. Hello. It tastes like grapefruit juice. Yes. So why didn't you use the word grapefruit? Why did you go? It tastes like if orange juice had all these things removed. Well, because we were talking about the mouthfeel of orange juice. Well, it's so it's pithy to... and grapefruit. It is pithy. Yes, it is pithy. Okay. I'm also apparently the arbiter of all flavors. You are the arbiter of pith, though. You talk about pith a lot. That's like if you have a lisp and you're saying piss. <laughs> I'm the arbiter of pith. <laughs> you already have to put the explicit tag on the episode, so I'm going to allow that too. Oh no! Did you include a lyric with a swear in it? At least one, and I think I think technically. Let me look at Trank. Well, I don't know. Good night, Chicago has an F bomb in it. Yeah, I'm dropping it. So here we go. Track number nine. Good night, Chicago. So first, I want to say this is my favorite song on the album. Wow. I see a clap from Lori, which is great. I agonized over this song being in my top three. So this is definitely my cusp song. Wow. This was one of the ones I put two stars on the first time I listened to the album. Then I set that aside, like I told you before, Lori. And then when I listened to the lyrics, I think this is the song where the narrator and the writer is struggling with their sexuality more than any other song on the album. At face value, the song's about uh, somebody who killed somebody in order to steal his lover. 
But then if you follow the fact that this is a person who's debating or discussing or deciding whether to transition to a woman, is the persona that the character is killing off the man in order to become a woman. As I started to dive into that, I thought, wow, if this is a person who is trying to decide that without revealing that, because when this album was was written and released, that was not a thing, right? I've seen an interview subsequent to this album where the lead singer came out as gay and then ultimately transitioned to a woman. So the lead singer's dealing with a whole complex transition. And I feel like this is the song on the album that is revealing that in some way before she even revealed that. And that's why I like the song so much. This is very dense and very deep if you think about that context. Because on its face, you know, it's a weird story. But when you start going, well, this is not necessarily about a person killing another person about a third person. This is one individual killing a persona to become somebody else. That's amazingly written. Hmm. I think that's a really interesting read, Dad. That's a good read. So I interpreted it similarly, but I think it can also be like genderless in a way. Like just anyone who changes who they are to get somebody else to love them is how I interpreted it. And then I do think you can take that extra layer of if this is like a gender transition because they're using specifically I killed a man to make you love me. But yeah, I think that's why lyrically this song is really great. And also I love the music. This is like I said, this is my cusp one because I just love the music behind it and like that driving is that a guitar or the bass that sounds so interesting in this? It's the bass, I think. In this, this one. Yes. We've talked about this before. I have trouble hearing bass lines. I think it's just something with the range I'm biologically attuned to hear. So I have trouble picking out bass lines, but I could hear the bass line on this song. And I wrote it down that I could hear the bass line. This song is perfectly fine for me. And I sort of felt this way with American Shoes too, but everything else about that song kind of outweighed it. But I tend to have an aversion to when bands reference a particular city in real life. I don't know. It's not that I need it to be universal. It's just that like they feel so out of this world to me in their music and their lyric. Like they just feel of a different dimension. And so for them to be referencing American shoes and goodnight Chicago I'm like oh god they're like of the same earth that we are and it always just takes me out of the suspension of disbelief a little bit when an artist references a particular real life location and so I had that a little bit on this song it's by no means my least favorite it's just a very perfectly fine song on this album for me I think I like their use of location on this because it seems like they're relating location so much to these past events and future events because they they mentioned like New York, Chicago and Tampa Bay, right? And it feels like, I don't know, just something about the lyrics where it's like that hero's journey. For some reason, them using places in that case, I think is useful to me as a listener but i i can understand that like otherworldliness of like i just want this to be universal i think i feel the same way i love songs that reference places that i know but as soon as they reference somewhere i've never been i'm like i can't relate to this nothing you've said has convinced me to like this song any more than i do so i'm glad we had this whole conversation but yeah i this is a perfectly fine song for me and i love it i like that my picks span 
the range of y'all's picks. I know it really. This is how this works. You're the median, Lori. All right. I'm going to move on to track 10, I think. And that's all's well that ends. Clocks made God from the monsters in my head. Do you want to know my name? Is that all you want to take from me? In your arms, the eggs in my eyes. And I don't want to die in my sleep when you live. No. Really like this song. It's probably right smack in the middle. It's probably the sixth one for me. Top six. I got a top six. Yeah, I really like this one. I can't figure out, is it a narrator dying or afraid of dying? Is the narrator in hospice? Is it a suicide pact? There's a lot of elements in here to make you think of a whole range of different interpretations of the lyrics. I don't want to die alone, but I don't want to die at all. I'm not going to keep you by the phone, dear. Hang up when you've had enough. And then followed up by, call me when you're coming down, call me when you hang, not hang up, hang. And that's what made me think about, is this two people in a suicide pact of some sort where they're staging their deaths together? It's really interesting. The, the phone motif keeps coming around, but the hanging motif keeps coming around. Not hang up, but hang. And so there's a lot of layers to the song, and I thought it was really well written. Yeah, I don't think I have any idea what this song is about, but... It definitely makes me the most emotional out of all the songs on this album. And part of that is just simply the title. I mean, you're kind of set up to feel some very profound things with this song based on the title alone, All's Well That Ends. I mean, it's a play on a common phrase, All's Well That Ends Well, right? And based on the title alone, it reminds me of a song on the next album I'm going to assign you dad so I'm not going to share it at this time but we can maybe have a conversation about that on our next episode yeah I I don't know what the lyrics mean it's not the lyrics that make me feel emotional it's the haunting vocals the wordless vocals the ooh ooh like the I don't know what you would call that the just the vocalizations I guess and the mix of the music it's very slow in the chorus but then it has that kind of rapid strumming of the guitar that sounds really beautiful but in a sad way and I just the whole musical soundscape of this one to me is very sad sounding, very profoundly sad sounding, actually. Yeah, I agree with that. And so even before reading the lyrics and even after reading the lyrics, having no idea how to interpret them or what they mean, like the music is what gives me that emotion. So I think this is a beautiful song, but it makes me so very sad to listen to it. I thought this song, and maybe it's because of the lyrics, the call me when you come down and the next song is called the come down i interpreted this song as like 
maybe they know still that a relationship is ending and this relationship was tied up in drug use and they're high together or high on the phone talking to each other or something like that. And it's like, not literally, I don't want to die alone, but like I'm having some kind of bad drug experience and this relationship is also falling apart. And like, I feel like I'm going to die was more my interpretation. Mm. With the next song just being titled The Come Down, it's kind of like, this is the end of this substance abuse era that was wrapped up in like a toxic relationship i'm coming down from the high of the relationship and the high of all the drugs that's a great read yeah it certainly plays into a lot of the songs prior to this right the discussion of the alcohol or drug use and the toxic relationships that have kind of popped up throughout the album but your read on that laurie about it being a two song set is probably the smartest read of it and it's interesting that the next song is so much more upbeat than this one. So maybe she got out of the relationship and the drug use. Maybe she's a lot healthier now. And that is what the come down is about. And that's why that one is so much more upbeat <laughs> than this one. Yeah, it's almost like the next song, which we'll play here in a second, is almost about drug withdrawal, which is hard, but needs to happen to move forward, right? So coming down from the drug use or coming down from the alcohol use, for me, it was mostly alcohol use, obviously, because that's sprinkled through most of the songs, the description of alcohol. And, you know, just a little bit of cocaine in there. <laughs> oh, it's Jesus using the cocaine. Did you not read the... I think the next song is explicitly referencing cocaine, personally. Well, let's find out why. As we listen to track <laughs> number 11, The Come Down. Again, put that explicit tag on. Well, I can trim the clip, but I thought that was important for the discussion to have that in there. So my note was describing drug or alcohol withdrawal. To Lori's point about maybe it's cocaine. Yes, totally agree. There's language in here that makes you think more of delirium tremens from alcohol withdrawal, specific lines in here. But the thing about a couple of licks can get your fix, that's not alcohol, right? So it could be drug or alcohol withdrawal, but I think it's about somebody who's withdrawn from some sort of substance abuse and is on the other side of that and looking forward as a result of getting out of a toxic relationship based on most of the previous songs, you would assume that's the situation, which is why this is a great closing track. And Lori's point about these being a one-two combo is spot on. I think these really go together as a couplet. So yeah, I like this song very much. Uh, much like the rest of the album, I like this album very much. Great pick. Thank you. 
I would like to hear the cocaine interpretation, please. I think Barry already hit on it. It's oh, the the licks. Yeah, for a couple of licks, you can get your fix and more. Do people lick cocaine? Is that I just I don't know a lot about cocaine. <laughs> I'm not a cocaine user, so I also don't know. I mean, you can put it on your gums, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're over here three like non-drug users. Like, how does cocaine work? Non-drug users is we suck down our triple <laughs> popped IPA, right? Pardon me, non-illicit drug users. Have I mentioned that this dry hop triple IPA is very good? It is very good. Okay, we'll come back to that in a minute. Let's yeah, finish the song. <laughs> okay, so anyway, putting it on your gums, I guess it absorbs into your body. So that was my interpretation. I mean, I think the shakingness, I guess you shake when you're in alcohol withdrawal too. Yeah, though. that was where I was going with that delirium tremens yeah. thing. But other withdrawals have got to make you shake, right? Or is he referencing the drug makes you shake in your car? I feel like the relationships and the drugs go hand in hand. So it's like you could read it as like it's just the drug withdrawal or because I read it as the narrator has gotten out of the drugs and they're still looking at this person that they were in a relationship with who's still in addiction mode. And they're saying, you know, I'm, I'm... Yeah, that's true. The whole thing is written in the second person. Like she's talking to someone who is getting the shakes in their car. And saying, ain't nobody going to come and save you and pull you out now. Where the rest of the album is about, you know, I wish I was still in this relationship or like you're coming to visit me and cheating on someone. Like there's so many different scenarios. And now this final song is like, nobody's going to come and save you. So this is a happy ending. Yeah, I think so. For the narrator anyway. Uh, For the narrator. I didn't go into this thinking, oh, this is a story arc from A to Z, right? I didn't think of it that way. Right, right. But I think this song and this slot with this lyrical interpretation could make it that. When I tell you, I don't think I've listened to an album for the podcast more than like this one. The the last one was David Byrne. I'll use this opportunity to say that Abby said she has not listened to the band's first album, and it is also a very good listen. Is that the combo album, Lori? Is that the one where they did the EP? Seven and Mary. Yes. Yeah, that one. And after prepping for this podcast, I'm like, I really got to go back and listen to Seven and Mary like multiple times in a row just to figure out like if I even have a favorite album because there's so many good songs on that album. And I've barely listened to their 2018 album, but just from being at the concert where they played a lot from that album, I was blown away still. So I think their whole discography is just very good. This is a band that I will go back and listen to other stuff. I really enjoyed this album a lot. And I really hope they put out a new album soon. All right. Well, that wraps up RKS from Rainbow Kitten Surprise. We have a beer to rate. We have an album to select. Did you, by the way, happen to read why they're called Rainbow Kitten Surprise? Apparently some random fan named them coming out of a surgery or he was under anesthesia or something. Well, like. I think they were. I think the person was a friend of the band. A friend of the band. band. Yeah. No, no, no. It was a friend of the band, but he was coming out of. Yeah, he was, he was on a morphine drip. Morphine drip, whatever it was. The come down. The come down. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, given the history of the band and the members of the band, Rainbow Kitten Surprise doesn't really shock me like you think that made that story up i don't think they retconned the rainbow kitten surprise thing because they have a couple of queer members like i i think that's a true story and they just have been down with the cause since the beginning 
for me being like, I think I'm about the same age as them. Like, I think they pretty much graduated from Appalachian around the same time I was graduating college. And the name feels very millennial to me, like just random memeable name. Yes. Random. We were big on randomness as millennials. And it really does not sound anything like their music. It does sound very millennial. That is true. I have nothing to add to that. Great. Why don't you rate your beer then? All right. So we're rating the Burial Beer Company Dream Huntress, which is the triple dry hopped IPA. And I think it's fabulous. And I'm going to give it a 4.25. Wow. That's your highest rating of the day. It is. You know why? Because you like IPAs. Because it's a triple dry hopped IPA. So surprisingly, I also think this is fabulous. And I really was not expecting to like this one. But it is simply fabulous. And it is so well balanced. It is hoppy. I mean, it tastes like a beer. But A, it doesn't rip your face off. Thank you, Jack Cornell. (laughs) Thank you, Jack Cornell, for that phrase. And it's so smooth to drink. I'm very surprised because dry hopping is supposed to get out like the bitter qualities of the hops. And there's none of that. I mean, it's truly so smooth and very tasty. And I'm kind of blown away. So I'm going to give it a 3.75. I feel also surprised with my own ranking because... It is hoppier than the last beer, but it felt more interesting than the last beer also, which made me inclined to like just keep drinking it, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm going to give it a 3.5 for that because it felt more special, I guess. Yeah, and I hear what you're saying because every sip surprised me because every sip I was waiting for it to be like, oh, I'm at this point overwhelmed by the hops or, oh, it's warmed up to the point where it's not smooth or enjoyable to drink anymore. And so every single sip, I was reminded of how surprisingly delightful this beer is. So I hear what you're saying, Lori. I love converting people to IPAs. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Listen, it's been a long project with Abigail, but I think I've got her there. Heavy resin, right? We were warned repeatedly on the can of the heavy resin. And so I want to ask Lori, did you get any like pininess from this one? Yeah, absolutely. More pininess than the last one. I'm I'm still not sure what the flavor was I tasted in the last one that stuck out. But this is much more piney, much more of like, I have even like a sore throat at finishing drinking this um you know it's a good beer when you have a sore throat is that true i'm just making listen i'm five (laughs) hours into this i'm just making shit up but that for me is the the marker the floralness it gives me this like almost like stuffy head allergic feeling i think that's why i don't like it are you allergic to something i still just don't think i'm an ipa drinker because that pininess and floralness when it's really heavy it like makes me feel like I'm having a slightly allergic reaction or something interesting I've never had that so maybe it's possible that you are actually having an allergic reaction you have an EpiPen there on site I'm just asking for (laughs) yeah I think you need to go to the doctor about that (laughs) I just have a sore throat and like my sinuses are feeling something (laughs) oh no I don't know. Did we just be talking for four and a half hours and now we have a sore throat? Have we wrapped up the album? Yeah, I think we wrapped up the album. Have we wrapped up the beer? Yes. Do I get to introduce the next album? I would love nothing more. Okay. I have a surprise for you. So the next episode drops on October 27th, which is kind of Halloween weekend. Spooky. 
So I went through my album collection and I found this joy called Screamers. Oh. I bought this at a used CD store in LA when you guys were kids. Turns out it's an RCA album where they went and compiled a bunch of RCA Halloween songs from different artists and different albums into a compilation. Oh, fun. And you can't find this particular album as a unit anywhere to stream. I may even go to SoundCloud and put it up or something so people can hear it. The Monster Swim is on here. The Werewolf Watusi, Purple Peagle Eater, Haunted Guitar, uh, The Green Bee. Oh, you have these on on your Halloween album that you made. So I know some of these songs. You're going to know some of these songs. Maybe a hard album for people to find or hear, but it's a pretty interesting and fun album. And we'll do that next time. Sounds great. In the meantime, if you need more Pops on Hops content, you can find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, at Pops on Hops Pod, or you can email us at popsonhopspod at gmail.com. Wherever you're listening to this, there should be a link in the show notes to leave us a voice message if that's something that interests you. Or you can visit our super cool website, popsonhopspod.com. That's where we keep bonus photos, videos, and other materials related to each of our bi-weekly episodes. That is also where you can submit to our virtual jukebox for a chance for your favorite album and even your voice to appear on the pod. And on behalf of Hops and Pops and Lori Willard, We'll see you next time. IPAs. Happy, 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 Bye. Oh, there's a little frog in the pool. A little frog? That was the reaction for a little frog? I thought like a deer was walking through the... Oh, you're going to go save the frog? Well, I don't know. It's It's swimming. It's... Oh, okay. No, it got got to the side. Okay. It's an amphibian. It's going to be fine. (laughs) Nah. There's there's some casualties in this pool. Excuse me. (laughs) I had to save one last weekend when we were here.